heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Hey there again, Growth Junkies. Welcome back for another episode of the Growth Junkies Podcast. We are working our way through our new book called Mega Life, How to Live Without Fear. And we're picking apart actually day seven, which is a bit of a pivotal uh, point in the book and has a lot of content in it. So we're taking it piece by piece. And uh, last time we were together uh, with you all, we talked a lot about uh, how to conquer fear. We actually gave you seven ways to do that. Mm -hmm. And we have also introduced to you the fact that we believe here at Love and Transformation Institute, the way to uh, overcome your fear is through love. We're right on the heels of Valentine's Day. We celebrated it yesterday. And before we went on air, uh, Kent and I were sitting here talking about it as uh, just an interesting thing. Like if you went out on the street and asked 150 people, just found them, you know, kind of man on the street type thing and said, where does Valentine's Day come from? What kind of answers do you think we would get? What do you think, Kent? (laughs) I think they would say Hallmark. Yeah, Hallmark, Romance. Yeah, or the Lifetime Channel. Lifetime? Yeah. Don't they make those romantic, mushy movies? Probably. Something like that. Or maybe Charlie Brown. Yeah. You know, I... I think that they would get it from something pretty recent. Chick flicks. Chick flicks. Yeah, is that offensive movies. to say that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, well, two not guys surprised. probably shouldn't say it, but oh well. The reality is that most of the interpretations of Valentine's Day probably are no farther back than maybe 20, 30 years. Yeah, and we find ourselves struggling to interpret love. Yeah. And we come to a holiday every year about romance, really, and chocolates and flowers and doing something special for the person that you love. And it's very limited. Mm -hmm. If we were to ask those 150 people, (laughs) whoever they are, we would get all kinds of answers. But the reality is that Valentine's Day comes from a very interesting place. And we really should talk about it because there is so much there for us to understand. Mm -hmm. St. Valentine. This is where we get Valentine's Day from. And it's funny, at at dinner last night we were talking about this. And I said, where does it come from? And my, my oldest son answered the question. Oh, yes. I'm like, you're kidding me, right? Good boy. Like, you actually know yeah. where it comes from. There's Saint, a real dude named Valentine. Yeah, St. Valentine, who was a martyr. Mm-hmm. He died because he would do weddings for uh, soldiers against um, the permission of the, I think, Roman government. They were mm-hmm. not allowing them to get married. And so he would marry people in secret. Wow. And so that is where we get the holiday of Valentine's Day. Wow, that's romantic. It is I can see romantic. how we've gotten to where we are with chocolates and <laughs> flowers and Hallmark cards from a guy dying for marrying people. <laughs> so, yeah, St. Patrick's Day, right? And you remember St. Patrick. Most yeah. people don't know what he did. Yeah. And Valentine's Day after St. Valentine, no one really knows what he did either. <laughs> so it kind of just reveals how shallow we are, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we just we, we need to go back and understand our history a little bit more. Right. I think. Valentine's is a celebration of love, but it's a celebration of all forms of love. Right. And by that, we mean that romance is just one. There's a bigger 
view of love. And that's kind of what we get at in this book is that love is the ultimate way that you conquer fear. In fact, we said that in our last episode, mm-hmm. we actually said the seventh way you conquer your fear. And the most important way is by developing your appreciation for love in your life. And by that, we don't mean find a girlfriend, <laughs> right? That's like not what we mean by that. Yeah, that's the correct. appreciation for love or in your life. for that matter, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's way more than that. To learn to love is actually to have uh, sort of a, a worldview of how you see everything. Yeah. It affects all areas of your life. And one of the words we're gonna talk about today is a disposition. Yes. It's a disposition on life. Right. And so we, we did make this point several times, we'll keep making this point, that love is more powerful than fear. And so as we've identified the fact that love is what uh, moves fear out of your life, or as we would say, displaces fear, that is what we're going to start talking about today. And and just like you said, Kent, there's an overhaul of our disposition, the way that we view the world, the way that we think about love, and uh, the way that it integrates into all aspects of our life. And mm-hmm. so where we're going to begin in starting to talk about that is by going back to the five foundational fears that we talked about days earlier, the uh, fail, failure and rejection, the unknown, pain, isolation, and loss of autonomy. And what we want to do first is to walk through those and just explain or discuss how uh, a way of seeing love come into our life helps us to deal with those foundational fears, each one, one through five. Yeah, it's, it's critical that, and one of the things we did earlier in the book, actually, is we connect these foundational fears to some of the common fears that we experience. But underneath all of the varieties of things we're afraid of, um, there are these five basic foundational fears. So if you're going to treat the problem, you got to go to the source of the problem. So the source are these five things. Yeah, and love brings a provision yeah. into that area of fear to really help us. Exactly. So how does love actually overcome or overpower these five foundational fears? Right. How about the issue of failure and rejection? Now, I, I've said before that that's like my foundational fear. Um, one of the things I, I worry about or fear the most is failure and rejection. Mm-hmm. So that feels very close to home for me. So how, Ben, does love give us um, victory over those things? Well, what we say in the book is that it produces, love begins to produce a greater level of, of acceptance mm-hmm. and helping us to understand our value. When we have loving relationships in our life on all fronts, not just a, like you said, girlfriend or boyfriend, spouse, Mm -hmm. but when we start to have friends and colleagues and we Mm -hmm. experience a level of love in those relationships, it's much easier to deal with failure or rejection because you have more accepting relationships in your life. Yeah, it's a sense of stability and security. I think the truth is if you grew up in a a home in which you felt safe and secure, you know, your parents really loved you and were there for you, and you had a stable environment of good friends that you've continued to do life with. You have a community you're a part of that you feel like you're integrated in. Mm -hmm. You feel like if if you were going to fall in hard times, there are people you can go to for help. If you have those sorts of relationships in your life and you feel very safe and secure, no wonder you're not so afraid of failure or rejection because you have this to fall back on. Right. So the reality is that if you if you know that you're accepted and you know that you have value and know that you belong, then there's there's less of a chance of succumbing 
to this kind of fear. So if anything, for a guy like me, I think it, it reveals something. If, if failure and rejection is a foundational fear for me, and if it is for you, mm-hmm. then it might be a statement about how insecure you might feel in regards to your relationships, in regards to your environment. Mm-hmm. You may not feel very safe. You may not feel like you have a safe place to go. So that should challenge you to say, okay, where do I need to go to find safety and security? I need love. When I'm completely loved, I feel safe. And when I'm completely safe, I feel completely secure. Yeah, and and people, as you get more and more relationships in your life that uh, where where there's love being exchanged in, in fundamental and strengthening ways, it just produces an overall sense of stability, Yeah, which is a, a great thing. I would say everyone probably struggles with failure and rejection to some point. It may not be there like we help people identify earlier in the book, their fear type. It may not right. be the primary like what you're talking about with you. Um, but the, the reality is, is that we have an opportunity through those relationships to produce a greater level of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And every one of us needs that even if we in just small ways struggle with failure and rejection. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the second one here. So uh, the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. And I think we referenced in the last episode talking about being in a forest by yourself and how scary that would be. And then if there's just one other person present. Makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. And so we say that when we're frightened by the unknown, and what we can, can't predict, love gives us confidence. Yeah, confidence because, is yeah, key. Bringing other people into mm-hmm. the scary unknown parts, having a place to, to discuss it. Really, love needs another person. It's built on relationships. And then when we're dealing with things in life that are, uh, are scary to us or where we feel like uh, things are unknown, we're able to take those into our relationships. Yeah, this is sort of the uh, the what ifs we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. If you live in a constant state of like, I don't know what's going to happen or what's not going to happen. And you're living in a fear based place because you don't know the future. One of the greatest ways to overcome that fear is with love. The more, again, love you experience, the more love you express the more loving the context you're in, the great confidence you have. And so it's not scary to face tomorrow. It's not scary to worry about what will or won't happen because in the present, I have what I need. Right. So for a lot of people, they're banking on having something tomorrow they don't have today or not losing something tomorrow they possess today. Mm-hmm. And if you live that way, you're living in fear. What if you could be free from that? What if you could like look at tomorrow and look at you know years down the road and say, no matter what happens, I know what I have and I know who I am. So when you have that confidence, you don't have to succumb to the fear of the unknown. Yeah, this and big. I, so looking at the fear dump, I go and peruse the website every once in a while to see what people are posting on there, what, what fears they're dumping. Uh, I often see fear of the future. Right. It's kind of what you're right. talking about. The mm-hmm. future is an unknown and it could be uh, create a lot of fear for people in life thinking about what's coming and what's ahead, especially with what we've been through. Yeah. Or what even just some people have gone through in life. Mm-hmm. Looking at the future can make them very fearful. So we do need those other relationships to be able to process life and to think about things so that we don't have to worry as much about what's ahead of us. Yeah, a lot of people have have used the language. They've said, I feel like I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. How many times I've heard that? Yeah, I, I've even said that. And every time I say that or someone says it, everybody in the room like agrees. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's almost this like dooming sense 
Like something bad is lurking around the corner. Especially if things start going well. Exactly. Right? <laughs> like I, I can't really enjoy my life because something bad's going to happen. And so a lot of us live in prison to that. That's a form of fear. Right. It's this fear. It's a fear of not being able to control the outcomes in the future. And it's a fear that something bad is going to happen. But imagine what it would be like to say, even if something bad happens, I'm still okay. Right. Even if things don't go my way. I'm still fine. Right. That is 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 only accomplished when you feel fully loved and you're able to love others. Love is the answer to that fear. And so what we're what we're seeing here is and what's being highlighted is the the fact and the role that other individuals play in this in mm-hmm. our life. Yeah. We could not underscore enough the essential nature of relationships. And so yeah. number 3 uh, is is really the one that I gravitate toward, which is pain, mm-hmm. foundational fear of pain, and uh, either physically or emotionally. But what is it that helps to displace uh, the fear of pain? Is comfort yeah. when you have others around you who can comfort you in difficult times, mm-hmm. whether it's emotional or physical. Mm-hmm. I've had times in the past where I've been injured, either playing sports. Or uh, just being stupid. <laughs> There's plenty of times I've, I've done, done that, that too in yeah. my life. And when someone comes along and, and is able to help you, mm-hmm. there's a lot of comfort in that. Right. Or just be able to sit by your side. Often this happens like when people get really sick. Mm-hmm. And and just someone's there to bring you comfort. It's really helpful. Yeah, when you're cared for. I mean, I, I I've been through some stuff. I've shared about on the podcast the, the breaking of the leg a couple of times, yeah. and then having uh, my wife and my family and friends sort of come to my aid and support me. That's love, and it made it that much easier to endure the pain of that experience. And so the truth is, our pain is lessened, you know, with other people. And love does have the ability to overcome pain. There's even science on this, Mm. like the science of human touch. Mm. Like there are people, you know, who really, really suffer because they they don't get touched. Babies in hospitals. Right. Orphans, Mm -hmm. you know, what happens when they have human contact? There's there's such a need to experience and express love with other people. And when you have that, the pain of life becomes lesser. It's not like it's not there. I mean, the reality is pain is real and it's always going to be there. But at the same time, it's lessened. And a lot of people confuse this with like the, you know, going to the bottle or going to medication Mm -hmm. or going to food that for my comfort. Well, that's really what happens, right? Is people are going there for comfort and soothing to something to cope with life. And the problem is those things don't love you back. They don't. They don't. The bottle, the pills, you know, the porn, I mean, yeah, whatever it is don't. you're looking to doesn't love you back. So that's not love. There's no love in that. And so you might get like immediate relief, but you're not going to get real comfort. The real comfort is in knowing that you are, again, mm-hmm. you're loved and you love. So pain is a is a foundational fear that we can overcome with love. And it's displaced by comfort. That's right. And so the next one uh, is the fear of isolation. Mm-hmm. Love gives us a sense of belonging through community and relationship. If you struggle yeah. with isolation or it is your fear type, mm-hmm. that fear is displaced by being connected to something bigger than yourself. It is uh, a basic fear. And I think it's easy to see this in teenagers. Mm. One of the greatest needs of any teenager. And I know that when I was a teenager, I felt this is to belong. Where do I belong? Yeah. What's my group? Where's my tribe? And even as we get older, we still look for that. Sure. One of the greatest fears for some people is to be alone. Aloneness is terrifying. But the thing is, you never have to be alone and you don't have to be lonely. 
if you know you're loved. Yeah, and it's connecting to people and connecting to an identity. Right. To an identity uh, that, that is strong, that is worth being a part of, mm-hmm. that brings so much meaning and, and fulfillment into your life. Yeah. And when those things are in place, we feel less isolated. Right. The fifth one is uh, loss of autonomy. Mm-hmm. And love gives us purpose to make our lives and actions meaningful no matter our circumstances. Mm-hmm. That is really tied back to that isolation piece. When we do become a part of something bigger than ourselves, mm-hmm. we don't have to focus on just ourself or the, the, uh, the reality that we could lose everything. Yeah. There is a community. There's people who will provide and there's those opportunities. And that is what we're looking for is to find ways and stable relationships so that we have that, that across the board. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at this through the lens of displacement. Right. We use the illustration in the book about rocks in a glass of water. And when you put uh, rocks, slowly drop them into a glass of water and they begin to build up, eventually that water is going to start to spill out over the top. And that is what we're talking about here. What are the things that need to enter our life through love to begin to displace fear like those rocks would displace water? Yeah. And each one of these things is a rock, you know, an expression of love. And, and there's a common denominator. It is, again, to be connected relationally to others, to know that you are loved and you love others. So then what happens if you start to realize about yourself that maybe you're not as loving as you would like to be? Mm-hmm. And the fact in the relationships, you're not able to build as much trust and find these things as readily as you want. Because let's be honest about it. We struggle to love and to love well, and there's an opportunity for us to learn. I think it would be better for us to take that position more often in life and consider that if I want my overall disposition, like going back to the beginning of the podcast, to be formed in love and focused on becoming a loving person, we kind of have to start by asking ourselves the question, what we don't understand about it and the fact that we might not be good at it. So what would we do if we approach that point and we're honest with ourselves. Well, we go into in the book talking about bonding and attachment theory. And we do this through the frame of a great book called How We Love. I would highly recommend anyone out there who's in a relationship with anyone read this book. Even though it's focused on marriage, it's structured around bonding and attachment theory, which is one of the main primary theories in psychology of how people are formed. And what is the theory? Let's define attachment theory for our listeners. Yeah, it's basically that we are uh, we learn how to love and connect in bonded relationships with others through our family of origin. Exactly. And we uh, we learn some things and we don't learn some things. Mm-hmm. Some people go through that segment and phase of life. Uh, growing up and they become what's called a secure connector, someone who's able to bond in relationships in a healthy and functional way. Not everybody's able to do that or has that luxury. Right. And I think the key there is to recognize that your biological family, your upbringing did affect you. It really shaped you as a person. Your either your ability to love and be loved, receive love, or it harmed you and impacted your ability to give love and receive love. So a lot of us have to spend our lives re-educating ourselves and like learning, how can I learn to love others well? How can I, yes, receive love from other people when they're attempting to love me? A lot of us are damaged. I mean, we gotta be honest about our attachment, mm-hmm. our ability to attach and bond has been harmed by our upbringing. Yeah, no one comes s- out 
as a clean slate, right? Exactly. None of us are blank slates. We are absolutely affected by our story. We all have, and I said this before and I'll say it again, we all have some trauma in our background. Mm-hmm. Trauma can come in so many different forms. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we only think it's about getting pummeled, you know, or getting deserted or betrayed. But there's so many variations of trauma that affect who we are. It's damage. It's true. Damage control really is what we're about as far as regaining functionality and the ability to love and be loved. Yeah. And so coming out of your family of origin or even your experiences in life, no one comes out like at a zero, like with a mm-hmm. with a line of. Uh, no ups and downs. Some people come out secure and they're able to bond in a relationship. Others come out in a hole and they have to try to climb out and then we need others to help us do that. So being able to recognize how we're able to bond or not bond is, is very essential in learning how to love others. This is a critical step in the process for Mm -hmm. every person to have to kind of self assess Mm -hmm. and look at themselves and go, how do I love? And what are the reasons that maybe I don't bond or attach or love better than I currently do? And so we want to give you a framework really using the book, How We Love, which is referencing and tying to uh, bonding and attachment theory and, and help you see a place to begin. That's really what this is about, to provide a structure or a framework to help you in the process of moving forward from the place where you might have deficit or difficulty and begin loving well. And it comes in understanding yourself and what you've gone through. Yeah. Yeah. The ability to attach, I think to be honest about ourselves is that a lot of us um, are unable to attach well. And we might have attachments, but they're not healthy attachments. True. So it's not just attaching to other people and being attached. It's attaching to the right people in the right ways. So you have to begin by understanding, number one, how well do I attach to others? Do I attach to the right people or not? Mm -hmm. Do I need to unattach from certain relationships in my life? And part of the way to assess that is to use a book like How We Love to be able to identify our backgrounds, where we come from, and how we've been formed and shaped by our experiences, and identify, okay, how do I attach to someone like that? And how does someone like that attach to someone like me? And I'll be the first one to put my hand up and say that attachment theory, bonding and attachment theory has been incredibly helpful to me in my life. Uh, particularly this book, How We Love, has been helpful. And so we want to be able to give you five different styles or imprints that the book talks about as a starting point. And so those five are avoider, pleaser, vacillator, controller, and victim. And we'll walk through those five. Mm -hmm. But these are, by and large, in psychology, as they've studied people, the major imprints that come out. Some will reduce it down to three Mm -hmm. attachment styles. In this book, in particular, that we're using, they give these five. The last two, the controller and victim, paired together sort of under what they call a chaotic imprint. Mm. This is when there's significant trauma and abuse that is present. It tends to push someone toward uh, the chaotic styles or the controller or victim style Mm -hmm. or imprint. The other three, avoider, pleaser, and vacillator, are, I don't know what you would say, maybe more middle ground. 
like you said, everyone has trauma, everyone has abuse in their life, things mm-hmm. that they've gone through. So we're all affected in some way. Those chaotic styles are just more extreme styles. So would the first three be the most common then? Probably the most common? I mean, I, I don't know that I can fully speak to that, but I yeah. think that's probably true. More uh, okay. readily available or typical in what you see in people. Right. When you see people who've experienced significant amounts of trauma and abuse, those chaotic styles can show up. So when I hear the word avoider, pleaser, vacillator, I kind of know what avoider is. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. Okay, I'm an avoider. So we say an avoider is often raised in a home where emotions were not expressed or were downplayed or devalued altogether, causing a lack of sensitivity to emotional dynamics necessary for bonding. So we all know people, and maybe we're one of them, that just doesn't do emotions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't do emotions. Well, I'm not an emotional person. Well, you might just think that's personality-based. It's actually not. It might be a part that way, but largely that's how you were raised. It's your experiences. It's more nature or nurture than nature. So an avoider is someone who, well, avoids emotions. Yeah, and I was with a client recently and talking through this. Uh, It was actually a couple. And the person was talking about their imprint as an avoider, mm-hmm. and they described it as concealing emotion, which I thought was really interesting and a very applicable way of, de- of describing it. The book also goes into when certain uh, imprints marry one another, and it's kind of humorous when they talk about if two avoiders marry one another and oh, then they man. have an ex- like explosive fight. It's like mm-hmm. it blows up. It's like, what do we do now? Because yeah. we don't do emotion. <laughs> so their conclusion, the only conclusion is like, I guess it's over then. Yeah, that it's must like, be what it. We do. Yeah, and avoiders, you know, I mean, it, I think for a lot of us, um, avoidance is avoiding all the drama and the fallout that accompanies mm-hmm. conflict. So people do tend to avoid. There's also the pleasers. <laughs> I think we kind of know. I I can identify uh, what that would be. It's somebody who obviously uh, is someone who's grown up in a home who often the source used to satisfy the emotional needs of their parents. And so pleasers are those who have learned to please other people around them, oftentimes at their own expense. And performers are oftentimes pleasers. Sure. They're constantly having to perfect and achieve and and gain people's approval through their performance. And Mm -hmm. so you'll see these patterns tend to go together sometimes that high achievers, high performers can be pleasers a lot of times. Right. And then vacillator is interesting because that one I think needs a little explanation. Tell me about it because you're sitting across from one. Yeah, apparently you are one of these people. But we say a vacillator's (laughs) experience with bonding as a child can can be characterized as unpredictable. As a result, a longing for strong connection develops that feels elusive as if it will never be satisfied. So I am a poster boy vacillator. Tell us I'm why. I'm just going to yeah. tell you straight up that that's the case. Because mm. I think in my in my family of origin, I experienced uh, some level of bonding and closeness, but I exited my family of origin really longing for it. Mm-hmm. I wanted comfort. I wanted closeness. I wanted emotional connectedness. Almost the point was like I was so hungry for it and couldn't find it mm-hmm. in relationships because in my family of origin, it was unpredictable. There were times where it seemed like there there was closeness. But for a vacillator, the bonded and connected relationship is always dependent upon the parent and the availability of the parent, mm-hmm. which was a big struggle in my home mm-hmm. and mostly uh, related to uh, one parent specifically. Sometimes it was close and connected. Other times it was very distant or even absent. 
uh, or uh, sometimes just taken away. And so the struggle that you go through is, is it's just your, can I have it? Is it going to ever be present for me? So when you come out the other side of it in life, it's uh, the grass is greener syndrome. Mm-hmm. You can get into a relationship and be very uh, dissatisfied at times. Everyone goes through this, mm. but it's how you end up thinking about it. And if your mind goes to, well, there's got to be someone out there who could eventually love me the way that I need to be loved. Well, maybe, but grass is greener syndrome basically means you'll get out there and realize it's still the same. Yeah. And so this hunger and longing for attachment and relationship and bonding really characterizes the vacillator. And so that person in relationship, and I'll speak to this from experience, can draw close to people and then get really afraid and back up. Mm, okay, let's talk about the controller then. Yeah. This one kind of goes with victim. You say kind of chaotic. Yeah. But the controller is often raised in a traumatic or abusive environment. Thus, they develop a drive to control everything and everyone around them. At times, the controller may use the same abusive behaviors they witnessed growing up mm-hmm. to establish control over people or situations they find threatening. Right. So I, I can identify with some of this. I, I don't I don't feel like I was traumatized or certainly abused growing up. However, I grew up in a particular environment because I was a, you know, they call them pastor kids. Sure. So being a pastor's kid, you grew up in a fishbowl and you have a lot of immense pressure and expectations that you feel on a daily basis. And in a way, I call it a form of trauma. I think it can be and it can affect people. But I'm definitely a bit of a control freak by nature. Mm-hmm. And so at first I thought I might be more of an avoider, but I'm not. I'm not an emotionless person. But I do feel like that old statement, you know, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And I've experienced that where I feel like because I have been hurt, I sometimes can turn around and do the same thing to other people I love and care about. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem that creates relational problems. So the controller, it is chaotic because you end up doing the things that you swore you'd never do. Yeah, they use the same tactics that were used against them in yeah. the relationships that they and have. And it's it make you know there's there's these funny commercials on about how we become our parents. <laughs> the progressive the progressive commercial. Yeah. And they're funny, you know, and they're all like in a typically weird way, you know, kind of goofy. But I think on the dark side of that sometimes is that for those who had some negative experiences growing up, maybe had a difficult father or maybe had a mean father or an absent father or maybe a emotionally controlling mother, whatever dynamic were in their home, mm-hmm. they grow up and they start to identify things that they do and say and say, that's my mom yeah. or that's my dad. Right. And you hate that because you're like, I didn't want to be this way, but I find it very difficult not to be. Yeah. And so the controller is using the same things they like we've identified, the same things that they've seen to mm-hmm. manage life in relationships. The victim on the other side is trying to avoid any chaos right. uh, or trauma or abuse. And so they order life in that way. And that, I think that's probably why uh, the Yurkoviches who wrote this book paired those two together the way mm-hmm. they did. I'm sure it was related to some research as well is, is uh, you're seeing the same patterns show up that they experienced in life and they end up using it to manage all of life that way. Yeah. And you can see why, like you put a controller with a pleaser, why there might be conflict, uh-huh. you know, and why <laughs> even the word abuse might come up into play because a controller is going to make a pleaser feel like a victim. So, what about victims? Speaking of victims. Yeah, and the victim it? is basically described uh, abusive or traumatic homes also produce victims who are characterized by an intense drive to avoid chaos 
and to keep the peace, often at a personal cost to themselves. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, victims won't leave traumatic or abusive situations even when they know they're present. This is real. It is very real. It happens a lot of time. Domestic violence would be an example, right? Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think a lot of people don't know how to escape this sort of situation. But the interesting about all these things is that they're complex and different combinations produce different results. Mm-hmm. But it's helpful to understand, you know, of these five, which one am I? And then also understand which one is my spouse or my friend, you know, or my parent. And then it helps you grasp how can we attach and bond in a healthy way, knowing how we do it. And so if you want to actually do that, if you're married out there and you want to take this journey with your spouse and and you're both all in, I would recommend picking up two copies of the book, How We Love, and two copies of the workbook and, and do it. You will... Be grateful that you did. So I guess this would only apply to those that have conflict in their marriage. <laughs> would be which would be everybody, everybody. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I can't At tell times. you. Everybody experiences this, and when you've made a commitment to somebody for the rest of your life, and we, we make those vows, you know, sickness and in health, you know, good and bad, ups and downs, et cetera, et cetera. You're making a commitment to do the hard work. And sometimes the hard work involves finding out why do we fight so much? Why do we disagree? Why do we make each other feel the way that we do? Is there something wrong with me? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the fact you are wired differently. And it's not like one of these is better than the other. Right. It's just understanding that we're different. And because of the way that we are wired relationally, it creates conflicts in our relationship. And sometimes it can feel like a big mystery. Yeah. I know it felt that way. To me, a lot. When I discovered and understood more of how I bond and attach, it was incredibly helpful. And yeah. so, the purpose of this podcast today was to help you understand how to begin displacing fear in your life the same way rocks would displace water in a glass. You know, if your glass is full of fear right now and to the top, you need to start putting things in there that'll begin moving that out. We talked first about how understanding the foundational fears and what can come into your life to help you with foundational fears begins to be those rocks going into that glass, helping you to displace fear. Then we talked about bonding and attachment, really understanding how you show up to love. If you begin to put those kinds of things into the glass like rocks and displace fear with those things and become a more loving person, you will see a difference. The whole focus is doing what? changing our overall disposition about love. That's what this is about. It's not just romantic feelings. It's just not one day a year at Valentine's. This is about becoming a loving person all the time. And when we do, life becomes more stable. Yeah, I want to say one more thing here before we wrap up. I would say when it comes to fear, I think we often think that we can just get rid of it. But you can't. It's the water in the glass. It takes something else to be added in order for the fear to be displaced. So it's not just about removing fear. It's about adding love to your life. How can I add those rocks to my life, Mm -hmm. relationships, healthy relationships? And as I add more and more of those healthy relationships to my life, the less fear I feel. And they often get added because we're becoming more healthy. Exactly. So we hope that you enjoyed this today, and this puts us kind of in the middle of day seven in the book, Mega Life, How to Live Without Fear. If you want a copy of it, you can get one on Amazon, and you can follow along with us. We're just working our way through it, and we hope that you're enjoying that process. If you 
have feedback for us or questions, you can always email us at info at loveandtransformation.org. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we're going to continue to move through the book. And so we'll move into uh, day eight here coming soon and on into part three. And you'll discover more of what it looks like to live without without fear as we go through the book Mega Life. We enjoyed being with you today and we look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for listening to the Growth Junkies podcast. Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook to join the community and check out the Four Dimensions book on Amazon or through our website, loveandtransformation.org. We also have a new book coming out soon, so keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, continue growing.